So our scripture passage comes from the book of Acts, chapter 28, verses 21 through 31. Dear God, I pray that our hearts and minds would be opened as we read this passage. They responded, we haven't received any letters from, about you from Judea, nor have any of our brothers come and reported or said anything bad about you. But we think it's important to hear what you think, for we know that people everywhere are speaking against this faction. On the day scheduled for this purpose, many people came to the place where he was staying. From morning until evening, he explained and testified concerning God's kingdom and tried to convince them about Jesus through appealing to the law from Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others refused to believe. They disagreed with each other and were starting to leave when Paul made one more statement. The Holy Spirit spoke correctly when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will hear to be sure, but never understand. And you will certainly see, but never recognize what you are seeing. This people's senses have become calloused, and they've become hard of hearing. And they've shut their eyes, so that they won't see with their eyes, or hear with their ears, or understand with their minds, and change their hearts and lives that I may heal them. Therefore, be certain of this. God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Paul lived in his own rented quarters for two full years and welcomed everyone who came to see him. Unhindered and with complete confidence, he continued to preach God's kingdom and to teach about the Lord Jesus Christ. God is good all the time. always want to use things in unorthodox ways. It's not how I'm supposed to use it. So we are on the final, 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 final chapter of Acts or Acts series. I think it's been like two years now uh, on and off, but our Acts series is coming to a close this week. And just a little plug uh, for the next series. Have you ever wondered why Elijah uh, ended up uh, sending a bear after little kids that were calling him Baldy. Uh, or have you ever wondered about certain passages that don't make sense or are kind of weird? Um, we are going to hit a series uh, about odd passages in Scripture. Odd passages in Scripture. It's summer, so, you know, you can do whatever you want in the summer, right? So all those awkward, odd passages where you're like, why is this in the Bible? Why is this in the Bible? We're going to hit those, and uh, I hope, um, I don't know if I'll have answers to your questions about those passages, but we'll take a look at them nonetheless, uh, woo, and uh, try to work through those and find some sort of application, right, uh, for the community of faith. Um, but we're in Acts 28, and it's, uh, it's been a good road, um, the spirit-infused multi-ethnic church and I've entitled today's sermon, To Rome and Beyond. So imagine Buzz Lightyear saying, To infinity and beyond! But it's To Rome and Beyond! Ha ha ha. Ooh, tough crowd. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
Um, hospitality. One of the things that is repeated throughout Scripture, um, but we don't tend to emphasize in the church, in the Western church at least, is the idea or the notion of hospitality and how prevalent it was in the ancient Near East, in the biblical times, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Hospitality was one of the big things that maybe we don't quite understand the depth to which people welcomed one another, people welcomed people into their homes. It wouldn't be uncommon for a stranger to be walking through a town and to be received into the home of a stranger and be fed and, have, and housed uh, for a while. It was almost an expectation. And a lot of times in the Old Testament, when God is chastising his people or kind of um, speaking judgment on a people, one of the things that's brought up is you have not been hospitable, uh, either to the foreigner, um, the widow, the orphan, or just hospitable to other nations. And uh, so that's a big theme. And also in the New Testament and the Gospels, the disciples, Jesus and the disciples were constantly dependent on the hospitality of the believer, the community, a larger community of faith to stay and hang out in. There were plenty of uh, people who housed the disciples uh, many times on the journey. But we missed that. We missed that. But I want to focus in on the notion of hospitality in Acts 28 because I think it points to something um, core to the community of faith and core to um, the transformative experience of people. Are you with me, church? So if you've experienced, just imagine a time in your life when you've experienced being really welcomed by someone. Like maybe this person is really, 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 really hospitable and made you feel at home. Like what was it about how they acted or what they said that made you feel at home in their place? I know uh, growing up I had... um, a good friend in Texas, and I always hung out in their house. And, um, and in fact, we were so familiar, familiar, I wouldn't even knock. I would just walk in, you know, just open the door and walk in, and, you know, and they'd feed me all the time and stuff like that. And um, it wasn't, you know, they didn't have the best house in the world. In fact, there was a lot of clutter, and it was always messy. But the thing that made it welcome, welcoming is that I was welcome there. Like, I could be who I was. I was always welcome. No one said, uh, maybe you should go home or get out of here, David. What are you doing here? Knock before you walk in. It's like, they just were. Um, And I'm sure you've had that experience where someone, whether it's their voice or just the openness of their heart, makes you feel like, oh, I belong here. It's okay that I'm here. Or this person doesn't want me out. This person doesn't want me to go away. This person genuinely wants me to be here. And I think some of it is anticipating your needs and desires, right? It's not like when you know when someone doesn't want you there, where you've worn out your welcome, uh, sentences are short, you know, like they answer... The answer to your questions are short. They don't ask you 
if you want a drink. They don't ask you if you're hungry. They don't put a tray of fruit in front of you. They don't ask you to sit down, right? You know when it's like, oh, I feel awkward. But in other situations, it's like, oh, come in, sit down. Are you thirsty? You're like, no, here. They hand you something to drink anyway. Um, here's some dinner. Eat with us. Stay with us. Sit down. Kick up your feet. Um, and I know when I'm not being hospitable, uh, I can even be welcoming having guests in my home, but I'm so worried about our image, what our house looks like, or, you know, what the food is like, or is our house too cluttered for them that I'm busy cleaning, and while the people are there, I'm too nervous and too, like, you know, busybody. And people are like, oh, oh, oh. But when I'm just relaxed and like, whatever, here's my house. You know, there's a diaper laying there. Okay, you know, we don't have diapers. and Our kids are grown out of diapers. But you know what I'm saying? You're just, this is who we are. And you're welcome to our space. And we're honest. We're putting it all out there for you. And um, it doesn't matter because all that matters is that we're connecting, that you're here, and I appreciate that you're here. Hospitality. And hospitality, I think, is not simply a gift of a few welcoming people, right? Without Phil, there's always a fire during my sermon, or the fire truck is always going. Hospitality is not simply a gift. And I think right when I'm making like the central point, there's always the fire truck. But hospitality is not simply a gift of, you know, oh, that person's gifted in hospitality. That person is gifted in welcoming. But it's the gift of the Holy Spirit to the entire community of faith. Hospitality involves not just welcoming in, but being welcomed out of our own spaces into others' spaces. There is a mutuality and a relationality in hospitality. At the core of hospitality is open-heartedness. And the result of open-heartedness is intimacy and transformed lives. So, if you remember last week in Acts 27, Paul is on the prison ship uh, with a bunch of Roman soldiers on the way to Rome and sailors and they hit a storm and the boat is about to break apart and they become shipwrecked. Um, But Paul predicts, saying, God, you know, we're going to lose the ship, but we're all going to survive. We're not going to die. Our lives will be saved. And that's what happens and people begin to uh, listen. Um, And finally, at the top of verse 28, we learn that uh, they reached the land uh, safely and on an island called Malta. And in verse 2 in chapter 28, I'm going to hit all of chapter 28, even though we uh, read from 31 to 41. Um, The islanders showed us extraordinary kindness. And this word kindness in Greek is the same word with which the Roman Roman commander on the ship treats Paul with kindness, Um, kindness and hospitality. Uh, Because it was rainy and cold, 
Here we go. It's rainy and cold, so they're like, come, we'll build you a fire. These are strangers. They're shipwrecked sailors. Um, they built a fire and welcomed all of us. Paul gathered a bunch of dry sticks. Um, that's another side note. Paul is a servant. Of course, he's a prisoner on the ship, but we see uh, that he gathers a bunch of sticks. He's like, clearly something that will make community or make this moment is a fire. So I'm going to do what my part. I'm going to go and grab some dry sticks and put it on the fire. Um, and then we learn that he gets, as he was gathering sticks, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat latched onto his hand. So he's, not only did he become shipwrecked and he's a prisoner in chains, he gets bitten by a snake when he's trying to help out with uh, gathering wood. And when the islander saw the snake hanging from his hand, ah, they said to each other, um, this man must be a criminal, a murderer. He was rescued from the sea, but the goddess of justice hasn't let him live. So clearly we know that the islanders of Malta are not Christians, are not God-fearers, but pagan believers um, because they mention the goddess of justice and they have their superstition, right? He was bit by a poisonous snake, so surely something's wrong with him. Surely he escaped death, but justice is after him. But Paul just shakes the snake off his hand into the fire and suffered no harm. When they expected, you know, his hand to swell up and him to die of fever and suddenly drop dead, um, he doesn't. He ends up living and nothing unusual at all happens to him and it says they changed their minds and began to claim that he was a god next we learn that one of the island's most prominent people owned a large estate a bunch of land and once again verse 7 he welcomed us warmly into his home as his guests for three days Publius' father was bedridden, sick uh, with fever and dysentery. Paul went to see him and prayed. He placed his hand on and healed him. Once this happened, the rest of the sick on the island came to him and were healed. They honored us in many ways. When we were getting ready to sail again, they supplied us with what we needed. So if you see what's happening here, there's a relationship, a deep relationship and a bond and a friendship being built here out of the hospitality of the people on the island and also Paul's hospitality. Paul is both receiving their hospitality, but he's also serving, he's healing, right? And then they honored us um, in many ways by um, giving us the supplies that we needed. Um, and so even though in many other parts in Acts we see sometimes we emphasize Peter's sermons and Paul's sermons and speeches where he declares the gospel he proclaims the gospel and we break it down here's Jesus Christ the resurrection repentance for sin and new life in Jesus Christ here we don't see explicitly Paul declaring anything he's not declaring specifically the gospel of Jesus Christ and uh, faith in the resurrection of Christ and new life in him, 
But it's through the actions and interactions of the men on the ship and along with Paul receiving the hospitality of the people on the island and also giving Paul um, healing in the name of God, in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, healing uh, Publius, but also everyone who started to come. We see that around this community of hospitality and openness, the Holy Spirit is allowed to move and to transform and do powerful things. A community of faith is being built in this place. Do you see this? And it's all by um, not explicit words, but implicit actions, right? Of giving and receiving and giving, receiving and giving, the mutuality. And once again, hospitality involves an open-heartedness, right? An open-heartedness to be, hey, come, come into my space, come into who I am, come closer into my home. As a part of my family, enter in. And also, on the, uh, the receiving end, oh, I'm going to come as I am into your space, come out of my space and receive hospitality. Both those things require a vulnerability and an open-heartedness um, in order for those things to happen. Mutuality and relationship happens more deeply in the spaces of open hardness. Are you with me, church? If you remember when Jesus was sending out his disciples to the towns to uh, speak of the good news, he sends them out two by two. And what does he say? He says, take nothing with you, just your staff and your cloak and a little bit of money and go to this towns and rely on what? The hospitality of the people in the town, right? Go and rely on them and stay in one house and preach to them, and heal them, and do all these miracles. And they were able to do many miracles. The disciples came and told so many stories. Wow, we were able to cast out demons. Wow, we were able to heal people just like you. But in some places, we couldn't because people didn't receive us. They weren't hospitable. And what did Jesus say? In those places, just leave and kick the sand off your sandals and say, whatever. So in Jesus' own kind of sending out of his disciples, he recognizes that connection between open-heartedness and hospitality and openness to the gospel, openness to good news, and openness to receiving the power, the transformative power, healing power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that, church? And that's what's happening here. The people of Malta, though pagan, though um, believing in many gods actually experience the healing power of God. Yes, right? Yeah. They didn't like, they didn't say they weren't baptized necessarily. It doesn't say they were baptized. It didn't say they declared, you know, Jesus Christ. That they didn't say the, you know, whatever. Give your life to Jesus or whatever. The Apostles' Creed, they didn't say any of those things. But they welcomed the men in, and God moved powerfully. Yes. We can't limit the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit. That's right. And it's in the midst of hospitality, in the midst of being open, that transformation and the good news 
is able to move powerfully. So they, it says in verse 11, after three months. So they were there for three months. Talk about wear out their welcome, right? No one's staying with me for three months, right? Because they're either going to be tired of me and leave, or I'm going to kick them out, right? <laughs> Even my wife wants to kick me out. Um, anyway, after three months, they put out the sea and a ship, uh, and it goes through all these places. They landed in Syracuse, stayed there for three days, no doubt, with people. From there, we sailed to Regium. After one day, a south wind came up, and we arrived on a second day in Putilia, Putioli. Putioli. Um, there, we found brothers and sisters who urged us to stay with them for a week. Verse 14. In Putioli, they actually found Christians, brothers and sisters, and those brothers and sisters, it says, urged us to stay. Not only were they like, oh, yeah, if you want to, you can stay at our place. They're like, please stay with us. You have to stay with us. Don't you think about getting a hotel. No, 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 no. We got a room for you. We'll kick the kids out to the living room and you take their beds. Whatever. Please, please, please come. They urged them. Um... And when Paul saw them, when he hears them urging them to stay with him, he gave thanks to God and was encouraged. And remember, I forget the chapter in Acts where uh, Paul is encouraged by the believers, the brothers and sisters who are open to him and are, are tending to him and caring for him, are hospitable to him. And in this place too, Paul is encouraged by the hospitality of the brothers and sisters can you imagine what Paul has gone through in the last few years, right? Assassinations, plots left and right, you know, mock, you know, silly trials here and there, being in jail for two years, waiting for an actual answer, and then now in a storm, being shipwrecked, on the way to Rome, in chains. Um, I'm sure he's not sure what the future holds. I'm sure he's discouraged. I'm sure he feels alone and lonely at times. But when the people of God or when people are hospitable and show love, Paul is encouraged. And there are times when we feel alone in our faith. We feel alone in our walk. We feel alone in the things that we do. And we wonder, God, are you out there? God, I don't see you. God, I can't hear you. God, I'm discouraged. But when we see the community of faith living out its calling, living out in love, we tangibly experience the face of God. We tangibly experience the love of God. And we're encouraged, right? And the same with people out there who aren't believers, who aren't in the church. There are so many people, right, that don't come to church on a Sunday morning, right, or don't profess Jesus Christ as their Lord. But when we tangibly show and demonstrate hospitality and care and openness, it encourages people, right? 
How can you be discouraged when someone's loving on you and serving you, right? And coming open-hearted before you. It's like being grumpy at a cute baby gurgling, right? How can you be grumpy when you see a cute baby gurgling? It's like, you are like cold. You have no heart, right? When God's people express the open love of God, people are changed, people are warmed, people are drawn in. Amen? Amen. Three days later, blah, blah, blah. Oh, so three days later, Paul, now now we get to our, our, our passage that we read. Paul ends up calling, he's in Rome, or coming, when he enters Rome, he calls the Jewish leaders together. So these are Jewish people, part of the diaspora in Rome. So people who are Jewish, who have kept to the traditions and the ways and the religion and the faith of, in Yahweh, um, have not kind of sold out their identity to become a Roman, Roman citizens or kind of become enculturated, assimilated into uh, Rome. But these are Jewish people in the diaspora who are in the heart of the empire, right? They're in the very heart of the empire. And uh, he calls them together because he wants to tell them about Jesus Christ. He wants to say, hey, I'm not getting, I'm not kicking the baby out with the bathwater. I'm not getting rid of our customs, our traditions, our faith. I'm not getting rid of the law and the prophets. I want you to consider that everything you know about the law and the prophets, about the scripture and about the ways of following Yahweh and the, his commandments, will you consider looking at those things through the life of Jesus Christ who died and rose again? What would that mean? That would mean that Jesus is the prophesied Messiah. That Jesus died and was raised again. And in him we have salvation and the hope that we've been looking for. That's what Paul is saying. He's like, no, I'm one of you. Yes, you know, I'm not like this separate thing. But look at it, Jesus, right? Look at it through the life of Jesus. And the Jews started to argue with one another. And it says, ends up saying, some were open and received and believed, and some refused to believe what he said. They refused to believe what he said. Um, actually, do I have a slide? Oh, okay, go back. Yeah. Um, So some, some, uh, some are hard-hearted and some uh, received. And so um, Paul quotes Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, and says this. Don't be as your ancestors. This people's senses have become calloused and they've become hard of hearing and they shut their eyes so that they won't see with their eyes or hear with their ears or understand with their minds and change their hearts and lives 
that I might heal them. Notice in that quote from Isaiah, you know, the word callous. Like their hearts have become callous and they become hard of hearing so that they won't see with their eyes and understand with their minds and change their hearts, right? So callousness is set against openness and vulnerability, right? When we are calloused in our heart, we cannot see, we cannot hear, we refuse to see, we, can, we refuse to hear, so we don't change, right? But when our hearts and my, well, our hearts are open and tender and receptive, right? We see, we hear, we receive, and we change, right? And so this theme, again, of open-heartedness and hospitality, will you receive the word of God into your life? Will you receive people into your life? Will you receive relationship and love into your life? And then in turn, will you give of who you are to other people in mutuality? Will you open your heart to Jesus who wants to speak into your life and love you and speak into the dark places that need healing, who wants to heal you, right? And we see in this passage, people are healed, right? And this is what Paul is saying. The Holy Spirit, it says, the Holy Spirit spoke correctly when he said to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, right? Open your heart. Don't be callous. Open your heart. Don't be callous. Man, we've been in the pandemic, right? We've been in the quarantine life. And I think some of our hospitality uh, muscles have become atrophied, right? Our relational muscles have become atrophied. But, you know, I've been trying to socialize through uh, with, you know, I try to hang out with people outside of the church. Um, and I do it through sports and ultimate. And there's this community of ultimate in Seattle and uh, I like to play, but I've been so like into myself and at home on my computer during COVID time because I think that's my natural like mode. I'm actually, you may think I'm an extrovert, uh, but I'm an intense introvert. I like to be on my own and like I'm energized, right? Just being quiet. But, you know, I'm getting out there. I still, you know, even as an introvert, I, I want to get out there. I want to interact. I want to be relational. I want to be a model as a pastor to my church of like, this is how you connect with your neighbors. This is how you reach out. This is how you have relationships with non-believers, right? I want to do that stuff. And I want to have friends. Like, I have no friends, right? So to have actual friends. But... My relational skills have all atrophied, right? It's like when you've broken an arm and your bicep used to be this big, now it's like flopping on the other side. It's like, oh, I have not used these muscles. And so I'm trying to small talk with people and I'm like, you know, so what's the deepest thing you've learned during COVID? It's like, <laughs> I don't know how to talk. I think people are like, awkward. It's like... <laughs> Uh, uh, right? It's weird, you know, because I haven't done it. I haven't practiced it. And I'm sure um, we're, as we begin to go out more, we're like hibernating bears 
who've been in the caves all winter, and we're stepping out in the sunshine, and the like, light is so bright, we're like, ah. I call my son a vampire, because he's like, oh, the sunshine, and he runs back inside, it's too bright, it's too bright. It's like our skin has become translucent, because we've been inside so much. It's like we're actually going outside. Where was I? Um, And we have to learn, again, how to invite people into our lives, right? Oh, when's the next time we're, when's the first time we're going to have a house party, have people over for dinner, you know, have people over for the holidays? Like, it's open now. It can happen, right? And, uh, and we haven't done it for like a year and a half, and I'm like, oh my gosh, our house is so dirty, we're never going to buy people. Like, we just let it go. Like, our house is just, blah. Um, so all of those muscles have atrophied, right? And I think now is the time. Because of what marks uh, Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, the family of Christ, if what marks it is hospitality and receiving people, then we got to get back on it because people are longing for that. Yes. People are hungering community and relationship and connection, mm-hmm. right? People are shipwrecked on the beach, right? And it's raining and cold and they need a fire to be built. Yes. People are hungry coming off of the street and they need to be fed. They need to be told, hey, here's a warm bed, right? Welcome into my space. And we need that too, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that's a part of my awkwardness at Ultimate with small talk. It's, I'm so lonely. I want you to be my friend. So here, like, see the deepest parts of my heart, right? And they're like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, Amen. Hospitality of the community of Christians was a gift to Paul. It encouraged him in a time when his future was in doubt. But in this hospitality, he tangibly experiences the love of God and is lifted from despair and weariness. As the body of Christ, our hospitality allows others to experience tangibly the love of Christ. And post-pandemic, we're strengthening. we got to strengthen those muscles. we we got to go work out. There's no easier way, right? It's just like getting into shape. you, you got to just start exercising again. It's like, it's painful. It's hard. you just got to do it because you haven't been doing it. And as we op- we're opening up in more, in so many way, more ways than one, Um, we're opening up. And like I said, hospitality is not simply, oh, that person's gifted in hospitality. I'm so glad they're in our church. Like, that person does hospitality over there, right? It is the gift of the Holy Spirit to the community of faith. We must be a hospitable church. We must be a hospitable people. When people come into our walls, whether it be our homes or this building or Wherever we are out there, 
they need to experience the welcoming, wide open arms of God. Right? They need to experience, I am home. I belong. And hospitality involves not just welcoming in, but being welcomed. Right? Like I said, the mutuality and relationality at the core of hospitality. And at the core of hospitality is open-heartedness, and the result of open-heartedness is intimacy and transformed lives. Amen? Amen. The spirit-infused multi-ethnic church. Ah, back to a, a sermon, the series title. I'm going to wrap it all up into a nice little bow for us here. The spirit-infused multi-ethnic church is the open-hearted, hospitable church. Imagine if we were truly open-hearted to all peoples, all languages, yes. all statuses, and yes. walks of life. Yes. It would be a taste of heaven yes. that every tribe, tongue, and nation in our little neck of the woods, in our little corner, we are giving a foretaste when we are open and welcoming to all people. The simple call today is to invite, 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 and allow yourself to be invited, right? We are suffering from the law of inertia, right? Objects at rest tend to stay at rest, and objects in motion tend to stay at motion unless acted upon by an outside force, right? I'm, I am suffering from the law of inertia. I've been at rest for a year and a half, and I'm like, I ain't moving until something just really pushes me, right? I'm like, don't make me go, right? Now, people. <laughs> Say yes. Say yes to doing life together with others on a whole new level. Say yes to saying, yeah, I'll do that with you. Yeah, I'll go there with you. Yeah, come over, come over. Say yes to relationship. Even though everything in you is like, ah. I know it. I know. I, the other day, I said, Our, Renew is still the sleeping bear in the cave. <laughs> right? I send out an email, and it's like crickets. Right? Hey, let's go do, let's go play outside. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's the sleeping bear, and that's okay. Like, We've all been in that place. But I think it's time, right? It's time. We have a little relational atrophy. We have grown comfortable in our nuclear homes and perhaps have secretly enjoyed the excuse of the quarantine life. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> it's been a good excuse for me. To not go out and not invite others in. We need to work out those servant muscles. We need to work out those invitational muscles. We need to work out those welcoming muscles. As we open the doors of our home, our church, our lives, we open the doors of our own hearts to the possibilities of the kingdom of God. And we open the hearts of others' hearts to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. 
Thank you for the book of Acts, for Luke, and for your Holy Spirit and the, the church, the example and model of the early church, and the faithfulness of the apostles and all the disciples and all the men and women who are a part of um, your gospel um, going from Jerusalem to Rome. And, and then just Acts 28 just ending just like that. Like Paul saying that they're going to listen, right? And then Paul just welcoming the last couple of verses, Paul just welcoming whoever came to his home. Whoever came, Paul welcomed. Let it be so in our lives as well. May we welcome other people into our lives and risk the interruption in order that our hearts may be made bigger and others' hearts may be made fuller as well. In Jesus' name, amen.